Hello and welcome to another architecture podcast. I'm George Bradley, an architect and a director of London-based studio Bradley van der Straten. In each episode of the podcast, I talk to a different architect from around the world to discuss an inspiring house that they have designed. In this episode, I'm joined by the architect Vinu Daniel, founder of Wallmakers. We discuss Pirouette House, a stunning family home in Kerala, India. The studio is devoted to the cause of using mud and waste to create architecture. This project was designed as a tribute to the British-born Indian architect Laurie Baker, a pioneer of sustainable and organic architecture, and an architect often referred to as the Gandhi of architecture for the humanitarian emphasis of his work. Pirouette House is a sculptural feat that looks like no other house you would have seen. In the interview, Vinu tells me how the twisted and undulating forms were inspired by the movements of a ballet dancer, and how he arranged to reopen a disused brick kiln for one last hurrah to create the distinctive rat-trap-bond brick walls, a technique invented by Laurie Baker himself. As well as his project being unique, so are Vinu's methods, and it was great finding out more about his principles, his devotion to the use of waste, and to find out how he functions as a so-called vagabond architect, without an office and moving his design team from building site to building site. If you'd like to find out more about Wallmakers and the project Pirouette House, you can find information on the episode page at anotherarchitecturepodcast.com. I hope you enjoy listening. Hello, Vinu. Thank you very much um, for joining me and welcome to another Architecture Podcast. Hi, George. Thank you for welcoming me to your Architecture Podcast. Um, so your practice, it's devoted to the cause of using mud and waste to create architecture. And I think that's a great place to start to set the scene um, about you and your work. And I'd like to ask why working with mud and waste is important to you and to your work. Uh, I'm I'm more or less an accidental architect, you know. Uh, architecture was not my intended goal uh, or, or mm. aim. I wanted to become more of an artist or a musician. So uh, somehow I ended up in architecture. And uh, one of the first things as a person who was not really interested in architecture, one of the first things that came into my, my notice was that uh, architecture is one of the biggest hazards of 21st century. You know, like uh, people uh, need shelter, at least in previous centuries. But uh, nowadays, you know, like the rich are making even bigger mansions and stuff like that. So architecture has become more of a hazard, I feel, uh, when I was learning it from a third man's point of view, Mm. you know, somebody who is not that interested in architecture. So, uh, but uh, Mm -hmm. nevertheless, we don't see it stopping, you know, nobody stops building. Everybody still continues building. Whether somebody likes it or not, they still want to build bigger houses. Uh, There are still a lot of people who are homeless. And uh, one of the other things that was growing was the accumulation of waste. So much of waste, so much of uh, uh, byproducts of the uh, human human byproducts were increasing. You know, industrial waste and all those things were were increasing. So uh, it it came Mm -hmm. to my... Uh, notice that you know like people can build with mud you know especially I have seen people like Laurie Baker who is also a British architect who came and settled in India 
uh, he is mm-hmm. he is uh, the gandhi of uh, uh, indian architecture you know modern architecture we can say you know who who followed yes. gandhian philosophies so he was somebody who inspired the entire indian subcontinent into building with uh, you know uh, you know mm-hmm. low cost materials fabrics without plastering them very subtle and simple techniques where you can save money and uh, energy and resources this mm-hmm. propelled me to think that uh, what is the way forward in 21st century so the way forward in 21st century is to uh, make your buildings with mud and waste mm-hmm. so and what so where how did that story happen then if how did you come into architecture if it's something that you weren't interested in where did it start Mm, uh, indian families are generally very you know like it, it's it's like uh, your elders uh, can superimpose their will on you you know <laughs> so it's it's kind of difficult for a teenage guy to you know just move on it's it's very different from western culture i guess you know so everybody wants mm-hmm. their child to become an engineer or a doctor you know in in, in indian subcontinent mm-hmm. people don't think that other 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 so you will even find this film actors or musicians who are actually passed out engineers instead of so they divert from their uh, process just to appease uh, their parents that they are a graduate i was on a similar line mm-hmm. uh, my parents wanted me to become a, a, in some sort of graduate while i wanted to become a musician i wanted to learn music so uh, i took architecture as a temporary bus shelter to escape from my family because mm-hmm. i so uh, i got into architecture because i could draw a bit here and there but then i could see that uh, you know architecture was initially as yes, architecture was not at all fitting for me uh, because the construction techniques and the construction methods none of it was uh, i was in very eco friendly uh, i wasn't aware about eco friendliness or anything it's just that i was in fitting into the normal conventional scenario whatever was being taught mm-hmm. only this chance uh, viewing of you know like uh, people who who thought this as a hazard you know one of the first people who talked about architecture so that was looming large on my mind that architecture is in some sense a hazard you know we are building bigger mm-hmm. and bigger mansions and i was running uh, see i was born and brought up in the concrete jungle of dubai i was i was born there so mm-hmm. coming to kerala kerala is this tropical state in india where it's it's lush green farms and mountains misty mountains and all those things and i'm seeing a lot of concrete jungle happening in here so this alarmed me for a person who who wanted to settle away from the you know from the concrete jungle to find that uh, the real tropical jungles are getting converted into you know uh, urban cities and uh, you know Uh, that kind of sprawl so yeah uh, i didn't want to be part of that particular herd i didn't want to earn a career uh, making another set of you know brick on brick buildings uh, i simply wanted to get out of it uh, and i was planning to mm-hmm. uh, discontinue my course at the end uh, by around third year or fourth year until i met lori bigger himself who actually for mm-hmm. the first time showed that this butchery you know this killing can have a better side a a a, a, a nice mm-hmm. eco friendly side to it 
because until then yes uh, i didn't want to be part of this uh, you know <laughs> this uh, destruction and, of environment and so tell me more about um lorry baker because he looms large in this project i mean i've even read that the project was actually designed this house we're going to be talking about pirouette house was designed as a tribute to Laurie baker for somebody that doesn't know who who he was could you could you sort of explain him and his work and why he was such a big influence you think in india uh, very simple ways i think i can explain now imagine uh, you are walking across all plastered many many colored buildings and suddenly uh, suddenly you find that uh, a building which is not plastered or is not smoothened with cement plaster a building which is very raw it almost looks unfinished but there is some beauty in it you know so this fascinated me uh, and then i came to know that uh, since 60s a a foreigner uh, a british uh, citizen who came and settled married an indian and settled in the foothills of uh, trivandrum uh, started a practice where he simply uh, refused to plaster his buildings you know he made sure that the brick buildings just remained without any plastering and he devised simple simple techniques you know he thought with a mind on his own he didn't follow something because something was said to him you know or it was the norm or practice he speculated on every nut and bolt that was built and he asked why is is it necessary that it should be there that was lorry baker so lorry baker himself was influenced by uh, the great mahatma gandhi ji himself who told him to build uh, with materials in a 5 mile radius so during lorry baker's time uh, five bricks was clay bricks was made a lot you know uh, there was a lot of farm fields and everything so making five bricks was not a difficult thing they made a lot of fire bricks mm-hmm. but afterwards uh, the farms and fields perished post his uh, time and uh, many of the farms and fields became real estate properties and where builders made massive bungalows and apartments and complexes mm-hmm. but uh, looking at the five mile radius from my perspective i was the next generation so from my perspective looking at the female radius all i can see was waste i could see waste tires wasted materials so many materials were laid laying waste now india is a place still where you know like even the average middle class still yearns to build their own buildings uh, and there was a market for me to uh, to to give this idea of building with waste materials initially and uh, it was cost effective in some sense so that is how i i i i translated the gandhian philosophy into something where you should use waste because waste is found now it is universal isn't it like whether you are in britain or whether you are in india waste is all around you mhm so so with with pirouette house then how um bringing it to the sort of house and these these sort of wider influences of almost on a sort of big humanitarian level as well as ecological level with the references to gandhi and with the references to lorry baker um how did those ideas um manifest themselves in pirouette house what's pirouette house represent um in that sense pirouette house was a project that i got in trivandrum though i started in trivandrum <coughs> my initial endeavors didn't fall favorably 
they didn't come out favorably it was uh, a very big difficult time for me because uh, to make uh, mud buildings and to convince a tro- in, a, in it in a tropical country where there is excessive rainfall you can imagine the headaches for a young architect so uh, it was not a smooth road at all for me i had to literally pack up uh, be a vagabond architect trying to influence whoever comes in my path and to build with this kind of face materials so over the years i traveled further and further away from trivandrum you know my, the city where i studied and which i loved which i knew that lori baker practiced so over a span of around 14 years i i was away from trivandrum i could never come back and build because my initial years when i built in trivandrum uh, i i was not uh, it was not a warm reception as you can imagine it was very cold <laughs> so uh finally uh, things started changing people started accepting this kind of architecture uh, we started to get uh, you know national or international recognition i got a project in trivandrum so normally i make mud bricks which is not what lorry bricker does lorry bricker used fire bricks because there is plenty available at that point of time so fire bricks mm-hmm. was on the way yeah, there were no more fields so that means fire brick production just stops so country fire bricks was on the verge of closing down so when i went to trivandrum and my site was very small it was a it was hardly around 3 cents 3 3.5 cents which uh, in terms of square feet it's around it's it's very small you know in in terms of mm-hmm. you know like area wise it was just a 15 meter by 15 meter property you know so mm-hmm. uh, as you can imagine it's a very small plot of land and it was covered on all three sides by massive buildings plus the road in front of it was very small that there was no breathing space mm-hmm. and myself i am i am a bit claustrophobic uh, i'm 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 not <coughs> uh, very good in closed or you know like two closed spaces uh, and yet i mm-hmm. live in a generation where we have to be too close to each other you know <laughs> we had to build very close we had to build with minimal space so uh, for me the first priority was how will i build because the plot is small to make mud bricks you need a lot of land you need a lot of soil to procure from nearby you know the making the mud brick is a process and you need some some vacant land and there was no vacant land in this urban city so i thought you know like finally i can say a goodbye because probably this will be the last project where i can use fired bricks because there was a Uh, there was a kin the last kin i saw in trivandrum was shutting down it was run by a group of villagers uh, where they will procure the soil so no more soil is available as more and more real estate and buildings happened there was no more soil available for these poor fellows to make fire bricks so they were shutting down mm-hmm. so i said you know before we shut down let's make a swan song and uh, you know then call it off <laughs> so uh, pirate house in some sense is a swan song for all the incredible uh, exposed fire brick architecture that i grew up and many others like me grew up seeing so mm-hmm. that is how pirate house started that's kind of sad isn't it it's a, a potentially last of its kind in 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 many respects um yeah it but is but <laughs> the patrons of this this is a brave this is your first sort of real opportunity then to to be coming back into trivandrum and and doing a house who who are the clients here that are, are putting the faith in you and and your way of working to design uh, the house 
it was a young client uh, and his uh, spouse uh, his name is kiran and sri devi so sri devi knew a bit about my kind of architecture and kiran was also game for it they are uh, kiran is a scientist in isro and sri devi works in the it field so they are this particular generation whom we can be very optimistic about who feel that uh, every material resource is not just ours because we buy it doesn't mean that any resource is ours Uh, so uh, thankfully there is a generation now all over the world who feels a bit uh, you know like that is why we are on this podcast isn't it so who, thankfully there mm-hmm. is a generation who feels that everybody is responsible for the materials they are using and these materials has to continue it is not just because you can buy it with some dollars or or rupees it doesn't mean that it is yours mm-hmm. so thankfully kiran and sri devi were absolutely patient and resilient to to make such a building and uh, you know because i am mm-hmm. a slow builder i i i take my time in building things yeah. you know i'm not exactly a good commercial architect you know so <laughs> well so, you get involved with your projects right yes, you you actually yes. build yes, a lot of yes. your work and your it's very hands on yeah it's 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 now uh now it is seen as a unique thing but it is not um uh, building with your hands is a very normal thing you know an architect is supposed to know his or her materials so uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. that practice has uh, waned so much that now if somebody does some hands on it's it's considered as unique and you know like kind of nice but actually mm-hmm. architects are supposed to be involved in each and every one of their projects so uh, mm-hmm. i mean like whenever i hear that i i feel like you know like it's just that it's your job So Kiran and, and Sri why, Devi why is it important uh, to you See what do you draw on a paper uh, uh, when it manifests into a 3D object when it manifests into a real real project it's it's so different from what you had envisaged and if you can't see that journey you know it's not just the goal of making that building complete it's the goal of seeing that building come up you understand you are also learning you are learning from the materials isn't it you are learning how the brick on brick uh, when you put it in a in a slight different way turns out to be something which you never thought or you know not in your life you thought even if you could do the 3d even if you could do the you know 3d visual renderings you simply couldn't fathom how the end product would be so in some sense making a building is 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 a process of learning in itself if you can't see it then why do it if you can't mm-hmm. learn from it don't do it <laughs> i mean like there is no point of getting the end product and saying you are the architect in front of it it's a it's a beautiful beautiful journey mhm and these clients um would you say were they similar to you in terms of characteristics like a slightly rebellious streak you know you've mentioned about sort of vagabond and and being different and fighting against the norm i mean for these clients to commission this work was it was there is sense of that with them as well yeah otherwise uh, it's difficult for them to survive isn't it because everybody around them would tell you know why are you spending money for this waste materials and stuff you know so uh, <laughs> I, i you know like they in some sense they are the ones who bear the brunt of uh, 
any negative criti- criticism that arises from my projects which are, which are plenty in fact mm-hmm. you know whenever the, you are doing an right. innovative project definitely you are bound to get some uh, negative criticism mm-hmm. and uh, me as an architect who is running around from site to site is is not bound to hear it because people are kind of you know polite to the people whom they see for you know like only small periods of time mm-hmm. but uh, the client mm-hmm. who is living in that house for eternity in some sense they have to bear the brunt of every every passer by asking these questions you know what made you do it why are you doing it are you crazy yeah. you know all those things even their children might you know question their rational you know so in some sense they are the ones who are more rebellious than me i cannot say yeah. that i am half rebellious as them in some sense yes and can you tell me a bit about what what they've got as a house for for the listeners i could just describe the idea of this this design it's not the, an easy one to explain is it yeah <laughs> but uh, <laughs> see the thing is it's a it's a it's a box on from the outside so inside um, let's imagine a dancer having a you know a ballerina dancing so when she twirls into a pirouette so there is a pirouette uh, you know uh, stands for any ballerina you know they practice that so uh, i was very fascinated mm-hmm. by uh, edgar degas who was an impressionist who used to paint these blue dancers i'm sure you are so aware, uh, aware mm-hmm. of that so uh, the degas paintings of blue dancers always fascinated me those abstract uh, forms that the dancers bring out you know so during my initial work with bricks and everything i i could understand that the bricks also can flame up like a flower it can rotate like a flower you know if you do it in the right way you know uh, not just the parametric way but in some sense you know like the bricks with the masons you can with few mathematical calculations the bricks can also in some sense flare up like a flower so mm-hmm. pirouette house is an amalgamation of these flowers in some sense brick flowers let's call it like that and what has that created in terms of spaces yeah so what it did is uh, the big problem for me is that i couldn't look outside you know if the neighbor plants to spit outside it would fall into my building so that was how close <laughs> we are packed <laughs> so uh, so the thing is none of my windows could really span outside you know it could look outside it could maximum look into the road and still we would be looking at the neighbor in on the opposite opposite side of the road you know so it was just no privacy area so i had to open to the sky so as a flower you can imagine a flower just opens up to the sky you know it opens up to the sun isn't it so similarly mm-hmm. uh, the building actually opens up into the sun by making a small but efficient courtyard in the middle now courtyard is this mm-hmm. hall in the building you can call it something like that you know the rain comes mm-hmm. down the sun comes down all those things comes down in the courtyard so it mm-hmm. creates a life there a garden there so the staircase is distributed around it so in terms of a a, a diamond shape is given for that a, you know something like that Mm-hmm. so that is how the space is so the essential part was i i i didn't give uh, you know uh, much much importance to the bedrooms or the drawing room or the dining room i simply had to breathe the problem for me was mm-hmm. i needed to breathe in the space 
Mm-hmm. So the bedrooms and all can wait, you know, because uh, if you can't breathe, if you can't get some light, if you can't get your own uh, piece of nature, you are done for. No amount of artificial lighting or, you know, like air condition can help you. So mm-hmm. in some sense, Pirouette House is a flower facing the sun. It's very simple as a cube. It's a two-floor, a cube broken into two stories. The two side walls are solid brick walls. And then the two ends, the front and the back, are are very open. So all the rooms kind of, if they do look outwards, they look towards the front or the back. And then the pirouettes kind of happen internally in the cube, isn't it? Yes. Um, In terms of those, the pirouettes, then the walls, and this beautiful kind of flowering shape that you create with these bricks... Um, I've seen that described as a rat trap bond in terms of a bricklaying technique. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Because that's a really kind of important aspect of the, the look of this building and the technique you've used to build it. Yeah. So the thing is, rat trap bond is again a, a, a typical bond device by Laurie Baker, uh, who, who saw it from Chinese uh, brick construction you know probably during the time in war he was a Quaker so Quakers used to help British troops uh, uh, in in the during the war so Baker must have been in China I don't know exactly but he learned this particular technique of brick making brick building where Mm -hmm. you are having a an air gap in your brick construction in your wall construction the bricks are laid in such a fashion there is a gap in between the two layers of bricks so Mm-hmm. you save around 30 to 37 percentage of bricks now not only is this an efficient method in terms of saving your bricks but also it creates a thermal uh, you know uh, thermal space where mm-hmm. the heat from outside doesn't travel into inside you know the thermal coefficient of air is much less so it will not transfer much of the heat in, inside if it is a solid the transfer would be much much more faster so the advantage of this particular technique is that it gives us a lot of air filled gaps in between which really makes the house cool now in my particular technique because it is you know it, it is just waving going in very wavy patterns and everything i needed to give certain reinforcement and structural strength bracing in terms of concrete and some steel steel rods and stuff like that and these mm-hmm. air gaps in between the bricks absolutely serve the purpose of concealing them. So some of the places mm-hmm. where the bend is too too much, uh, too, corbe- too much of corbelling is happening. Corbelling is that bent part which we are talking about that uh, you know, in the bricks. Mm-hmm. So somewhere when the corbelling was too much, you know, I could conceal a beam through the brick uh, because of this particular rat trap bond. And was that difficult to achieve structurally, to, to particularly with the pirouette walls where they're twisting and curving in two different planes? Was that difficult to, was that a challenge to achieve that? We are people who believe that the structure speaks everything. We are not people who mix boxes and then plasters and putties and paints them into, you know, like into some other material. We truly believe the integrity of our structure. 
So for structure, we are ready to put that effort if it gives us a, a, a special space. First of all, we are designers, so definitely making a wonderful space is the absolute paradigm for us. It's not just about saving money or reducing the material cost and everything. Of course, these are necessary, necessary, but it's not our final frontier. For us, the big goal is to bring out a great design with this poor man material. So, doing the structure was a challenge, yes, but it is a challenge that we would take anyway, anyway, any time compared to doing a fancy facade anywhere in in the other other scenario. Yeah. Um, I've read that in terms of, I mean, you mentioned earlier about you refer to yourself as a kind of vagabond architect and moving around um, various project to project. I've read that you often, your your studio is based on the construction site that you might be working on at any one time and that you don't actually have a kind of main base. Was that the case with Pirouette House? Were you, were you based there while the construction was happening and designing all on site? Yeah, we... We, uh, once our practice grew, we understood that having an office was a useless wastage of space in some sense. Because the architect has Mm -hmm. to guide his people. Uh, If the architect has to be the captain of the ship, definitely he should be there to guide the people. So, I closed up my Mm -hmm. office and uh, in in some sense, uh, from then on, I didn't even have a home. So, in some sense, you can say that I am homeless even. So basically what happened is, so my life travels from site to site in some sense. It travels from one site to another site. And in that site, there will be my people, you know, my people means, you know, like who are architects people, the masons, the welders, the painters, all of them are our people. So in some sense, uh, I started to uh, go there and the advent of technology was something which was even more important. Yeah, you should understand, the last 10 years was the time when every desktop changed into a laptop. So, laptops became more and more efficient. So, laptop is supposed to be kept on your lap. It's not supposed to be just on a table. It's something which you can use it from your lap. So, your lap obviously comes with you everywhere. So, any place is an office. So, your drawings can be made from the site itself. All you need is a, is a table and a chair which the site can accommodate. And thankfully, mm-hmm. tropical India is not a place like, uh, you know, like too cold that you need a, a lot of comfort and a lot of shelter from the elements, you know. So it's tropical places. Yeah. So very often a shelter, a roof on top would, would, be, would be sufficient for you to do that. So this is something which I am carrying over as a principle because I see many architects, many young architects trying to make offices and sitting in there and wasting their time in some sense and paying the electricity bill, paying the labor cost, paying the capital cost of making all those uh, fancy offices, uh, it's actually a burden on them. You sh- you don't have to do that. Mm. Somebody who likes your work will call you. Whether you, whether they, you know, like, it doesn't matter whether you have a fancy office. So you can, you can always go to a site. So if you have 10 people, put 10 people at the site. It's simple as that. And was that the case with Pirouette House? Was it like, how long was the construction period? How long were you there for? And were you were you living there? No, no, we can't. We they, generally uh, the inside supervisor lives nearby, 
uh, I, I am basically traveling from site to site so we have multiple projects so uh, I will stay in some mm-hmm. lodge or we will sit in some cafe and make the drawings and uh, execute it on site you know yeah. that is how we do it yeah the cafes are there for that no yeah. you will give a you will get a good coffee and you know you can make your drawings <laughs> yeah and what did you gain from when you were on pirouette house and with the sort of hands on aspect and being there does does that mean the design kind of evolves and changes in a much more sort of dramatic way like with were you learning things there and then on, during construction yeah i as i always say <clears throat> you are an idiot on paper whenever you draw you simply have no clue of the material how it responds uh, according to your drawings you know once you start building it you will find that there is a much simpler solution at the site all you had to do was to come and see it as it is being built mm-hmm. so you tell your mason guru i made a mistake <laughs> you know please don't let the you know let the brick curve or you know something like that happens <laughs> then and there you know you apologize to the material and yeah. your mason and then you make the change uh not just masons everybody is integral even the welders the carpenters all of them are integral you know so it's 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 not just a, yeah. a money money transaction a, a, a transaction uh, relationship you know you give me money i will do this it's not just that it's about learning and unlearning uh, sometimes you become the teacher sometimes they become the teacher so you are constantly mm-hmm. learning and they will also give you input if they know that you are sincerely trying to build a, uh, a a nice building they would also say sir probably you are wrong it's better that we built it this way so again mm-hmm. voila you are learning from your teacher isn't it mhm um and then a bit about the kind of internal space and the the living accommodation because we talked about there's the courtyard that mm. is like a sort of flower in the in the middle right in the heart of this two story yes. cube um but the house yes. has conventional spaces in the sense of bedrooms bathrooms yes. kitchen yes. Yes. kind of lounge yes. space what 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 do you think is successful about these spaces and how they work around the courtyard and within the pirouette of the bricks the interesting part was there were these projecting bricks in many of the places uh, because of the particular rat trap uh, bond i was doing so projecting bricks are generally assumed to be a nuisance you know like okay when you are walking too close to the wall you can touch break you know like hurt yourself and stuff like that and i thought you know like even i might be making a huge mistake but then my clients sent me photos of his kid trying to climb some of these brick ledges and everything you know which was fascinating <laughs> that the child finds the house not just a mundane wall uh, you know four walls it finds it as uh, something bit more than the four walls as a place to climb as a place to you know uh, to uh, to play uh, you know so the child will have much more better memories than you or me growing up in some place you know so because they will remember these bricks more than me so so in some sense yes the spaces which are created within such areas do reflect better light and ventilation as you can see from the fo- pictures mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's an open hall with an open kitchen uh, in some sense uh, indians are not used to much of open kitchen but i really love open kitchens because i have been using it regularly 
another thing that sort of strikes me about the house is, as you said, it's a relatively small plot. It's a relatively small um, space. But it's, you've been very yeah. generous with the outside spaces, not only this internal courtyard, but there are external terraces, both on the ground floor when you, in the entry, but also there's yeah. two very stark and bare kind of terraces with concrete floor and bricks at the side. Um, why was that yeah. important to you in terms of being very generous? The reason why the terraces are very important in uh, the Indian's perspective is because uh, in the coming coming years, we will face a lot of food shortage and all those things. And we are relying so much on corporate food practices that uh, growing our own food gardens is kind of a mandate, I feel, which should be provided. We should provide terraces for, you know, like every family to make their own, you know, small gardens at least, even if it is in such an urban area. Uh, this I learned from my mm-hmm. workers who were uh, working in another property and they used to make a lot of vegetables, grow a lot of vegetables out of that small land that was there in front of their labor accommodations. And they used to grow these huge, huge uh, gourds and bitter gourd and melons. And they used to even give it to my mom when my mom comes for a visit because I was building a church at that point of time. So uh, they used to have excess of vegetables, you know, you should imagine 10, 15 huge laborers who are eating three times a day, uh, having excess of vegetable production, you know. So even a small plot Mm -hmm. of land can generate so much uh, with the advent of, you know, like all these new growing techniques and, you know, vegetation and agriculture techniques. So definitely a family of four can, can make their own vegetables at least. You know, so the terraces are really a space where they can grow their own food and this generation must restart that process of not depending on corporate food plan. So at the start of the interview, we talked about the use of mud and the use of waste um, in your projects. Maybe if you could tell me yes. a little bit about the recycled materials that you've used here for Pirouette House. Uh, so basically, if the structure is made with mud, definitely... The grills, uh, most of the time we all opt for steel grills because of safety, you know. So mm-hmm. when it comes to grills, I will just go to scrapyard and select something. So in this particular case, for Pirouette House, uh, there was the local metro being built. And the scaffolding for the metro are generally these huge span, you know, very mm-hmm. strong pipes. So I used uh, the scaffolding that uh, pieces for the grills. And then uh, there is this um, bamboo, which is which is which is kind of a grass, which is used for this uh, local craftsmen use it for making these small furnaces. So we learn to twist the bamboo in between, like a weaving a basket in between the grills to create some privacy. So mm-hmm. these were basically the two major techniques. And then there are other techniques where we utilize only. You know, wasted wood materials, you know, all the flooring and stuff like that. We always tend to reuse a lot. Now, that has become a normal normal procedure for us. Yeah. And these grills, these are the the only other facade, I suppose, other than where you've got the rat trap uh, bond brick walls. Yes, yes, Or you've got the open terraces. It's the screens to bedrooms and things like that. Yes, yes, yes. Scaffolding poles with the bamboo woven in between. 
Yes. And you've mentioned a bit about the clients, and they've, they've sent you photos of their, you know, one of their children climbing on the brick walls. What do yeah. you think? If, if I was to ask them, what do you think it's like for them to live in the house? What would they say? Uh, you, you know, that, that that's the advantage. Uh, that uh, my mother was one of the first recipients of my kind of architecture. You know, obviously you can fool your mother first. You know, so you can convince your mom first. You know, <laughs> so initially. <laughs> <laughs> I did a home for my mom and she hated it, you know, like a lot of people went and told her that, you know, like it's a, uh, you know, you know, your son cheated you and stuff like that. And, you know, like she, she, uh, she, uh, she was very furious with me for making a house like that. But over the years, because it was a, a, a stark contrast compared to other buildings, there was nothing to compare to. So if somebody said, this is the most beautiful building mm. I have seen. Or if somebody said, this is the most ugliest building I have seen, you know, you would agree to both in some sense. Because it's a, it's, it's a, in some sense when things are incomparable. But unfortunately, in my case, most of them came and said, this is the most ugliest building I have seen to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom was very furious uh, at the fact that, you know, like uh, her own son, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, built a very bad house for her and she was very pissed off with me. She almost refused to talk with me for more than four or five years, you know, it's, it's it was quite serious at that time. And then what happened is slowly and steadily, my mom started to find that she couldn't live in other houses, you know, when she goes over to relatives' houses, she couldn't stay there for, you know, uh, you know, for, for a long period of time. She started to find that the comfort that these mud houses offered, not just the aesthetic pleasure, but the comfort that these places offered, was unparalleled, you know, it was unique, you couldn't get it. So, slowly her anger vanished and uh, and now she is proud of my construction. <laughs> you know, right. it's tough to figure, yeah, yeah, so it's tough to figure out. So, uh, whenever you are doing something innovative and new, certain criticisms are, are, are you know, bound to happen, you know, you can't, uh, you know, mm-hmm. ride away from it. Now, thankfully, we are able to go for much more bigger, uh, you know, uh, courageous options. You know, we are trying to do something with tire. You know, I believe tire is the future of construction because there is at least four lakh tires produced in India itself. Mm. And uh, much of the developing developed countries, they send their tire, ship their tires off to India because India is one place where you can, you know, like, uh, you know, sell anything and everything. So. Mm. I believe that, uh, <clears throat> you know, utilizing more and more scrap into my construction is something which I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And what about Pirouette House? Were they, did they have a similar phase like your mother of, of, of anger? No, or have no, they no. Been by, the time, the by the time Pirouette and all happened, there is, uh, uh, I started to find my own typology of people, you know, like uh, there are, there are mm-hmm. many types of people, you know, some would like it, some wouldn't like it. So thankfully, by the time that it's it's there is a gap of at least ten years between me building my mother's house and me building Parvat, mm-hmm. I changed. The people around me changed, and a lot of people started to appreciate, see more than just the building. You know, they started to understand the the philosophy in which the principles, the guiding principles on which these were built. That you are not here to you know boost your ego by building a massive mansion, you are ruining nature even by digging a shovel into the dirt, you know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, 
so so definitely that concern has risen in the past 10 years you know which has aided me in convincing and thankfully the clients are you know like much much uh, you know because as i said earlier initially when somebody said that the building is looking very ugly or the building is looking very beautiful people tend to agree to both of it isn't it so now mm. <laughs> thankfully there are more people saying it's looking more beautiful you know so thankfully it's yeah. it's, it's going good yeah so far <laughs> yes well good I, then i think we'll end on that positive note that's good to hear that it's being appreciated because yes, i think yes, it's yes. a fantastic i think it's a fantastic project um thank and you so i think there's a lot of credit to the clients as well as you as you said before of being brave and courageous yes absolutely um, and i can i can imagine it being a very beautiful house to to live in yeah yeah um, you are welcome to uh, you know to join us anytime so well, i'd love to i've always wanted yeah. to visit kerala anyway yeah, so um, yeah, so that would be fantastic. So I'm going to ask you now Vinu there's three questions that I always ask um my guests at the end of the interview. Oh. Um and the first one is um I have a feeling it could be an interesting one with you but what is the one thing that really annoys you in your home? Uh my mother has these plastic flowers. Uh so <laughs> even when I was a child, you know, uh and the worst part is they do not look plastic. man it, it looks absolutely original and real roses you know yeah that you almost go and touch them and then mm-hmm. you are freaked out knowing that this is plastic and the mm-hmm. another and, and even worse is that there are these dew drops you know symbolizing this uh, uh, which is made of resin or wax or something you know so mm-hmm. the dew drops do not fall it's everlasting and uh, it freaks me out so much you know this this <laughs> this uh, red plastic so life like you know you can you cannot uh, distinguish between the real one and the and the fake one <clears throat> so that yeah. actually freaks me out even more so uh, you know so that that's one thing which has freaked me out big time yes okay um and then if you can describe one house that you visited that has really inspired you and tell me why um the house or can i name a different building because loyola chapel is one building which always intrigued me inspired me it's not a house it's a chapel hmm. so loyola chapel by lori baker was uh, whenever you feel a bit uh, down i go there and see the light bouncing of these fireworks it's amazing onto the altar so if you are asking a residence again i would say um um uh, i love uh, lori baker's a uh, residence for uh, 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 suresh and neeraja suresh uh, suresh sir who work for hardco This is not a very famous house but it's one of the most beautiful houses i have seen yeah and what what is it about the i know we talked a bit about lorry baker at the beginning but what is it that is so inspiring for you about particularly those two buildings simplicity uh, one word simplicity because he never uh, put a brick uh, just for the sake of putting it he never put a no, bolt or nut just for the sake of putting it it would look nice no he would always do something in some sense which was absolutely necessary otherwise the whole thing might probably fall down only then he would put it 
that simplicity uh, made me realize that there is aesthetics in in simplicity in some sense yeah yes well i mean i'd love to share some of the work i mean i think i'll put it on the podcast on the website and some some links to to laurie baker's work as well because it's clearly a real really strong influence to you personally yes and you were taught by him as well Uh, no i was Um, not taught by him i had one one talk with him in fact i Ah, i I was too young for uh, you know uh, anything in that session because by the time uh, i passed out he was already 88 87 years old you know Mm -hmm. so i had uh, with this one session with him i had this one-on-one session where he literally talked to us about construction architecture the need for more architects and stuff like that which was truly Mm -hmm. a life-changing event for me and did you get the opportunity to know him personally then as well beyond that one talk no 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 but but that right. talk was something which is uh, far up you know like because it was a, at least a 3 hour time period where he talked yeah so even mm-hmm. when i am talking i do not remember exact snippets or exact uh, this thing whenever i am talking i am definitely uh, you know uh, rephrasing yeah. some of his sentences so only after say i say those sentences i understand ah this is something which is actually even said to me by lori bigger because i cannot remember yeah. what he said exactly but the general gist of things is something which i generally talk so it really showed how simple that man was that man was a true gandhian he was yeah. a bigger gandhian i think than the rest of all indians i believe <laughs> so <laughs> um And then okay it brings me on to the last question and if you could choose any designer to design you a new home who would you choose and I do have to caveat that you can choose somebody that is not alive I I cannot choose I can choose You can you can Louis Kahn Louis Kahn Louis Kahn Louis Kahn Louis Kahn and Laurie Becker are my both favorite so I have been talking a lot about Laurie Becker so I thought you know like yes. probably you know uh, the one one architect Uh, who i believe is, is truly somebody who understood the material he works with uh, because when i was a student you know there was this video surfacing of louis kahn where louis kahn tells to a group of students where he shows a brick and he tells them that i asked the brick and the brick answers i think you must have also seen that small footage mm-hmm. yep so he asked the brick uh, uh, the brick what do you want to become so the brick answers me back saying i i want to become an arch you know uh, yeah. so then louis can would say but arch is so expensive can i make a make you a lintel but then the brick says i want to still become an arch you know so yeah. this video unfortunately at the time i saw it i thought it was just uh, you know <laughs> it was just too much of fancy uh, you know yeah. too much of fantasy it is you know but the truth is over uh, the last 15 years of working you know what he said in some metaphorical way actually resounds very correctly you know he truly understood the material because in some sense the material teaches you you have to listen to the material even though he said it in a in a in a dramatic fashion i believe yeah. uh, a, there is a lot of uh, depth into the story than i initially assumed so yes. luikan is somebody whom i whom i really i really love the spirituality in his space Tadawando. Tadawando also. I'm sorry. Oh, Tadawando as well. Tadawando, yeah. Peter Zuntor. <laughs> Then the list will go bigger. 
No, it's a, it has to be one. I'm going to stick with yeah, Luke. Yeah, Luke, 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 Luke. Yeah. Um, okay. But I'm going to ask one additional question just at the end yeah. because we started with saying about how this project was designed as a tribute to yes. um, the architect, Laurie Baker. Yes. What do you think, if Laurie Baker was alive today, what do you think his response would be to Pirouette House? <laughs> I think uh, he would have laughed. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a person who has a very uh, you know who who has a very humorous perspective on every part of life uh, even yeah. when he was stricken with illness he when he was talking to us he was really uh, a tired old man but still he took the effort of drawing showing even plucking tiles from his roof to show the quality of roof and everything so i i think Uh, you know uh, he would he would uh, have a laugh about it you know he might be uh, you know a bit uh, you know skeptical on some part and uh, you know but generally i think he would give me a thumbs up i hope yeah <laughs> <laughs> well venu thank you very much for joining me today i've really enjoyed that and thanks for giving your time thank you sir thank you so much i appreciate it thank you so much listening to this episode. If you'd like to find out more about Wallmakers and the project Pirouette House, then please visit the website at anotherarchitecturepodcast.com and try out the Instagram page to see the work of all of my guests. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, then please leave a review because it's a really good way to help other people find the podcast. If you're interested in finding out about another home designed with earthy materials, you might like to listen to episode 22. where I discuss the design of the Tuxen Mountain Retreat, a home constructed entirely out of rammed earth. I discuss the project with Cade Hayes of the American firm Dust. If you'd like to listen to the episode, you can play it by the episodes link on anotherarchitecturepodcast.com. I look forward to you joining me for the next episode and thanks again for listening. Music